everybody, and welcome to a very special peer review episode hosted by your girl, Tiffany. And I have with me today my two co-hosts, Alex. Peer review episode of the RXP podcast. Okay, there now you know. And then Matt. Boy. Listeners, that was a clue at what our episode's about today. But you know, because it's in the title, we are discussing here today God of War Ragnarok, the sequel to the titular God of War 2018. The three of us have finished and rolled credits on the game. So this is a complete spoiler cast. We will be spoiling everything, talking about everything that we've experienced, loved, hated, want to critique about God of War Ragnarok. So this is your warning. Go finish the game. Come back and listen to this episode. And now we begin. You guys, we finished this game. I'm surprised I finished this game within the month of November. That's just what I'm saying. What were your overall feelings about what's going on? I'll go. I'll go first. Everyone's I was just waiting like... for Alex. <laughs> Alex and I were just staring at each other in the Discord. I don't, I don't know if I'll I'm going to believe in that, go for it. that uh, silence or... <laughs> I guess I will leave Listen, it Listen, we're, no, we're, we're just, just like... So stunned. We're just stunned because of the fact that Tiffany finished this game. We that question. <laughs> what we thought <laughs> about God of War. Who could have Listen. known? Listen, um, I I'll, think start, you guys I'll start, I'll start, Tiffany. Okay. I'll start. Okay. I think that God of War Ragnarok was great. Like, I think that I was already getting hyped from it just because review scores. I know you two, you two finished it well before me, especially Alex. Alex had planned it before, like, I got through you the first the 10 on. hours. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I was still trying to sound out Ragnarok in my own house before he freaking finished the Platinum. Um, so good, though. Like, even through the hype. And the problem for me, or I guess the good thing, is that God of War 2018, honestly, one of the best games that I've ever played. So for me, like, what does God of War Ragnarok have to be to live up to that standard and to add to things? And honestly, like, we'll get through it, but I think it delivered, me personally. Yeah, I'm right there with Matt. I think, ultimately, this is a great game. I, you know, maybe just skip ahead to something else, but I don't think it's as good as God of War 2018. I enjoy God of War more, but Ragnarok definitely still hits all the high notes, you know, all the feelings, all the gameplay, and as good as, and I think that's just the, you know, measure of the problem to say God of War 2018 was so good that it's mm-hmm. very hard to top it. And I think this meets it, but doesn't top 2018 for me. So while it's an amazing experience, it just doesn't quite get there. And I think that's just because how much it is included in the game, right? Like it being called Ragnarok, you know, there's such lofty expectations to say, what does this mean, right? Like when you think of it for Norse mythology, it's literally the end of the world. And so in order to like bring all those feelings together to make it meaningful is definitely high bar of expectation and so while i think it almost gets there it still falls a little Mm -hmm. bit short and so that's why 2018 still holds it for me in terms of the two games Mm -hmm. you know honestly i i don't even know if i can say which one i like better um but maybe through this discussion i'll come to a final conclusion with your help 
But <laughs> I was so compelled to finish this, this story. Mm-hmm. I felt like there were two main reasons nipping at my heels. I was like, yo, this game comes out a week and a half before Pokemon. Mm. And two, the story, I just have to know more. So those two things really drove me to finish this game. And I had a great time. I loved the story. Like, basically, the story was so compelling that it made me want to finish it. And when I played the first God of War, I didn't really have that drive, mainly because I had essentially known what the plot was. So it, I really kind of lingered with that game for, like, over a year, you know, just playing it at my own pace. But I did, like, I was like, I'm going to finish this in preparations for Ragnarok. I'm so glad I did. And I'm really glad that I actually played it on release and didn't get anything spoiled to like spoiled until mm-hmm. I until I finished it and started listening to other things about it. I was maybe kind of I was kind of surprised at Atreus's like teen rebellion phase in this game. Um, I mean, it makes sense plot wise, but I definitely felt like I was like, dang, this is annoying like I thought his little you know outbursts it's quite understandable it's like really this could have everything could have been solved with communication between Kratos Mm -hmm. and Atreus but Atreus had to go off on his own and figure it out because Kratos wouldn't listen and you know and that's where the conflict part of the conflict was Um, but I definitely liked Atreus in this game a lot better than in 2018 what'd you guys think like I was shocked when we played as him that was such a welcome surprise actually I was pretty shocked too. I, I'm kind of with you as far as kind of like the rebellion stage. I honestly, like the first start of this game, there seemed to be like a lot of mutual respect, which I loved because I was like, finally, like you're seeing progression from the last, uh, I was about to say film, like kind of like a film, but the last game, like you could see the progression of the relationship and it was great. And then he started like kind of going back to his old like Atreus ways and I was like, ugh. Like, we, we had this. Like, why are you still doing it? Then, of course, it plays into the whole, like, your your master is basically fate, uh, where kind of, like, fate was making them do certain things, whether or not they were meant to do it or not. Like, him going to Asgard was all because it was fated of him before. Yeah. And it's like, so maybe that's how kind of they tied it together. The playing as Atreus, like, at first, I was like, this is awesome. Like, it plays way different. I loved it. I will say, after a while, I was like, gosh, I hope I don't play as Atreus, like, this mission. Like, I, I just loved oh. playing with Kratos. Like, Kratos, to me, was way more fun. Uh, he had three of the best weapons in, like, video game history, I feel like. Like, they just are very synergistic in a lot of ways between the axe the Blade of Chaos, and then the new Spear, which is awesome. We need to talk about that. But the Atreus, over a long period of time, I was like, okay, this is a gimmick. This is turning into, like, the Mary Jane gimmick of Spider-Man 2018. Yes. Where it's like, do I really want another Mary Jane chapter? And that's where I feel like this story felt a little bit more bloated compared to 2018. Yeah, I agree with Matt on that point. That, I think adds to why I think 2018 comes off higher for me uh also in the fact that I too enjoyed the Atreus sections I think this story 
that we learn while playing as Atreus was some of the better parts of the game. Also, it's just a better reflection of, right, seeing his character growth. You know, he's a teenager. Mm-hmm. He is finding his own way. You know, he's making friends a la like with Anger Boda and to a certain extent, you know, Odin himself and also especially Throod. I think a lot of the Atreus sections post Asgard, like when you go to the first time and then, right, you're going on missions with Throod, you're going on missions with uh, Thor also, that those are really interesting to me because I love to see how Atreus interacted with characters when Kratos wasn't around, right? Like there isn't like this father figure you know when you think atreus and kratos in the same room you don't care about what atreus is doing like kratos is there you're just concerned like this mountain of a man god like what is he thinking or what's he about to do but then when we get the atreus sides you know it's a little softer and it's more heart-to-heart talking right like he's having these hearts-to-hearts with Thrud and anger boda in ironwood and i really like that as a reflection of saying hey he's making friends right like he's never had friends before as far as we can tell like especially those of his same age mm-hmm. and so we can <laughs> yeah. get that side of him from a teenager to be like hey be social you know make friends find like you know similar likes um and then at the same time i think the drawback for me what i amount to kind of matt's similar opinion is that i didn't enjoy the gameplay as much i thought it was pretty it became the same every single time we played him right like i enjoyed the story of being with thor and through and going through you know helheim and muspelheim but it just ended up being the same thing you know similar out to kratos but obviously with atreus only having the bow like litter or i guess only having the bow until he gets uh the magical flying sword uh it felt very samey every single time. And so I was also getting to the point of, do I want another trade section? Yes, because I like the story exposition we get, but no, because the gameplay is just really repetitive. So Alex, you named a lot of like cast of characters. Uh, did you, were you guys really excited to kind of see the world expand and open up more with a bunch, bunch more people versus, you know, like Balder, Freya, Kratos, and Atreus? Absolutely, because I think this game does what obviously 2018 couldn't do in terms of making me care even more about the characters than I already did because mm-hmm. of the interactions. So by giving us more characters, right? Even Durlin, you know, in Svartalfheim, right? The, the leader of like the Merchant Guild or whatever. And, you know, going to even Surtur, the little bit we get from him, but like, you know, it's speaking volumes, especially a lot of the things that happen uh, post-story, right? Like if you go back, I don't know if you guys uh, went back to Niflheim post-story, but if you go there, and I forget his lover's name, but you can hear his lover like weeping and like Mimir like and Freya like comment on that being like, oh, that's her. Like, that's her crying, like, being sad because of what happened to Surtur. And so, like, there's so much more that gets reflected across the characters. And even with the characters we already had, right, I, you know, maybe we'll get to this later, but I really loved going through Vanaheim with Freya. So not doing that post-extra area in the with the crater with Atreus, but Freya instead. Because Freya was able to give a lot more different perspectives because she existed in this world mm-hmm. and the events that happened she was around for and so she gives those recollections of saying oh i remember hearing about this about this great warrior you know clashing with thor back then and i didn't know it was Faye. and so it's those types of 
character interactions that I think really embolden like the story across the board to say, hey, we can give you more that happened prior or in between the games without you know, you having to have played it in the game. I think it's pretty cool because I, I really enjoy the Norse mythology with all this. I liked seeing kind of like Heimdall, who's not Idris Alba, which took a lot of me to like not make the two of them together. But like his character, he was like such a great villain in the sense of like I hated his guts and kind of like the big reason, a big plot reason why you had to make your spear was to defeat Heimdall, which is like this overconfident guy who didn't think that he was ever going to be touched. And it was like awesome. Like this, this is what I wanted. Because honestly, I was going into this thinking, this is Ragnarok. A lot of gods are going to die. And I was thinking that a lot of them were going to die uh, because of Kratos. And honestly, like he was the only one besides him and I guess maybe Odin. I guess Kratos got like an assist for Odin. Um, but like honestly, everything and Odin was a character that I thought was super deep and cunning and I was like rooting for him and I was like he's making like good points and like he's being friendly and it's like oh well that's that's Odin like even Mimir talks about post game he was like Odin doesn't win his battles with his spear like he wins his battles with his voice and it's like yes this character that you guys make makes everything that Mimir has talked about in the past two games all make sense because, like, yes, this guy's a monster. Even though the parts with Atreus, I was like, no, actually, Odin, maybe this is just, like, Mimir being a little bit dramatic. Because Odin seems like a cool guy. Uh, but he was he was awesome. Even the depth of, like, Thor. Him being a kind of a bad dad and maybe taking his son's deaths, you know, pretty terribly. Um, every part of that, I thought Asgard and all the Asgardians, super awesome. I, I, I really, really enjoyed him. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of your points. And to be honest, like, I really enjoyed, too, getting more, like, expedition, exposition in time with Brock and Sindri. Like, in the first game, I'm not going to lie, I, like, I used them to upgrade my armor and I moved on, right? Like, I didn't, I didn't plot the first game. I didn't do it. Like, I barely did any of the favors. I knew they were mm -hmm. brothers that were in a tuffle, you know, like not talking like whatever i loved having the home base in the world tree and i really enjoyed getting to know more about sindri and brock mm -hmm. which is when when that plot twist happens i was flabbergasted yeah when it is revealed that the tear we rescued was odin himself and not brock what were you guys feeling like when that happened, let me just tell you guys that it wasn't until Brock was like, why are you calling him Loki? That ain't his name. And I was like, oh, why is he calling him Loki? You know, like when he when he was first getting a little bit aggressive, I was kind of like, what's his deal? You know, but then he said that line and I was like, oh, no. And my mouth just hung open when Odin like shanked him. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the classic movie ploy about, like, the murderer, like, gives a small detail that only the murderer would know, and then the detective, like, keeps up to it. But this time, yeah. it's not like a smart detective. It's like a stupid, dumb dwarf <laughs> that has no soul. And, like, he's the one that's, like, calling him out for his BS. Um, I was not expecting that at all. And honestly, I'm really happy that it happened, because up to this point, I was like, 
this dude is worthless. Tyr is worthless. <laughs> like, he, he's not doing anything. Like, why did we save him again? What was the point of this? Because he is not doing anything for the story except make me kind of upset <laughs> that he's here. <laughs> like, everything from, like, his voice to everything was awful. And it all made sense when it's like he's trying to make them become more pacifist because they don't want Kratos to start Ragnarok. And, it, like... That makes the story way better and makes Tyr a way better character, in my opinion. Uh, I'm with you when he confronted, when Brock confronted Tyr, or fake Tyr, about why is he calling him Loki. I had the moment of realization that Brock was a dead dwarf walking because I realized, you know, there's only one reason that they would make him so aggressive there is right because he is so bothered with like how tears acting. And at that moment, when I also realized I'm like, there's only run one reason he would call him Loki is because if it was Odin, right? Because Tyr mm. was not there otherwise to know that his other name, right, is Loki and not Atreus. Because I think they always called him Atreus when they're in, you know, together, like you know, in the mines when you find him, uh, you know, bounded, and then back at the world tree, you know, when you're in the house, it was only a trace. I don't think there's any mm-hmm. moment they utter the words Loki. So I was like, he's going to die. It's going to be really sad. And yeah, that moment where he turns around and then transforms and then, you know, tries to take Atreus hostage and then he um, disappears, but he isn't able to leave with the mask, that that was such a impactful moment to be like, this this happened and also this was like right after we learned that Brock didn't have a complete soul and I think mm-hmm. that that compounded effect of saying oh he isn't a complete soul in body and now he died a second time and thinking of the like ramifications of like oh this like that must mean something and you know in this game we never get to that point to show anything but obviously you know I'm, I made Tiffany do this but Matt I don't know if you went back to Spartalfheim after the credits roll, but there is a, another kind of a la 2018 God of War where if you go to Svartalheim and then do another event that they're the full credits roll after that event. And mm-hmm. when that happened, you know, I tears were flowing because there was just a lot of emotion to be like, man, like this is the Viking send off. Like this is like the North style send off. And it feels like it's actually an end. So like maybe Mm -hmm. something happens in the future that this might be a quest later on or a story point, but at least for now, this is such a solid ending to his life and his like story part in this that I'm like the little or the lot we got of Brock, especially in this game was so, you know, beneficial, I Mm -hmm. think to the effect of that moment. Because I feel like if you could, make this game about one singular plot. I feel like it's about grief in a lot of ways, like how people deal with grief. Like you're still seeing, I I love the dream sequences with Kratos and Faye and just like the one line that, the only line that I really got maybe a little bit emotional was like, if you grieve deeply, it just means that you loved fully. Like that line to me was like, awesome it was so good because he's still going through grieving process atreus is going through grieving process and then especially for brock sindri's going through a ton of grieving process because of what he did he kind of pulled him from the afterlife and now that he doesn't have a soul it basically doomed him to no afterlife so sindri now 
has more guilt with the grief, which is why he's reacting that much. But it, it's just, it's crazy to me. And I, I think, um, like, the storyline definitely took a turn that I didn't expect. I also didn't expect to really feel as much as I felt for Brock when it happened. But I think the, the missions leading up to it, with them going to the forge and yes then brock not realizing it and feeling down that he didn't have a soul and then kratos like showing his humanity saying like i need a blessing from a blacksmith and like it was not the best worded blessing but it was brock and it was awesome i know it was amazing yeah but you know it wasn't it wasn't like anything special you know it was just like him just talking casually kind of and then I think he like spit on his hand and like gave it to him. You know, like it was, it was very yeah. Brock. Um, so I don't know. I I I really love that story. The story beats of Brock though, for sure. I completely agree. I also I I actually really liked his blessing because it was like so kind of he's salt of the earth, exactly. right? Exactly. Like just and then he's like, and may this be put down to rest when his when the job is done. And I was like, damn, Brock, like. That was beautiful. Um, Which he did. Like, Kratos, like, could have exacted vengeance, but, like, he changed his tune. Like, he was no longer a god of war. Like, he is there for justice, and he did not do the vengeance because, like, everybody else had plenty of reasons to kill Odin, but then Sindri was the one who was like, no, I'll take vengeance. Like, give me me that bead, you know? (laughs) Honestly, I actually really loved that Sindri did the final, like... Yeah. Like, smash. Like, okay, let's be real, you guys. Like, it to a point when the hero is like, wait, I'm better than this. I'm mm-hmm. not going to execute the vengeance. I'm not going to lie, you guys. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, just do it. Just do it. Like, it'll make you feel better. At least it'll make me feel better. Like, when, when the villain is so good at being a villain mm-hmm. and it makes me hate them. Like, when I killed Heimdall, I was like, that's what you get. Like you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like I hated Heimdall too, and so when the th- when Freya was like, "Nah, I'm better than this, fam," and then Kratos is like, "I'm not this person anymore," and I was like, "Yo, we're gonna let Odin freaking live in this marble," and then Sindri just did the deed, and I was like, "That's what I'm talking about." I don't know what that says about me, <laughs> um, but I thought it was a vengeance. decent close. Yeah, <laughs> vengeance. Uh, so can we talk about Angermoda for a minute? Like. I loved her. Did you guys love her? I thought she was adorable. Yeah, she, she was, was a great character. Yeah, awesome. Like, I... Her story with her grandmother, mm-hmm. I was not expecting that at all. I also... Ac- I loved seeing an actual giant. Mm-hmm. Because well, I was like... like giant giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a giantess. Well, only because, like, they say, like, oh, she's they're giants. And I'm like, are they? Like, are giants just people? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this helps me, like, get more deeply into the world building and stuff. So that was really cool. And you guys mentioned uh, the the dream sequences with Faye. I also love that. I did not expect to see her at all. I loved seeing her in the story and, like, really getting to feel like I understood Kratos and her relationship. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that, you know, that's before now, all that happened off screen, like, in between the games, like, 2018, it just happens, like, mm-hmm. you know, I lost my wife and here's my son. Um, but anyway, so any any things that, for this game that you think could have done better, 
Like, what do you think? Are there any critiques that you guys have for this? We've raved about how much we loved a lot of portions of the game, but anything mm-hmm. in particular do you think could have made this even better for you? I think one thing that sticks out to me is some of the traversal kind of just puts the whole story to a standstill. I I, I know that sometimes, and this is kind of like a blight of Sony, so, you know, take it as it is. But, like, the climbing mechanics, the, like, sneaking through a tight space, the crawling on your hind legs, the, like, you know, whatever you have to do, like, to get through this small little hole, like, that is fine. And I think God of War does a good job of narrating it because, basically, Mimir is taking that time to tell a story or or someone else is, is talking to Kratos and Kratos is talking back. But it happens so often. And now that I'm in the post game, I'm, like... I wish I could just jump onto this ledge because we're not talking at all. And I'm going to spend the next 15 seconds climbing up this ledge when this dude is a god of war. <laughs> like, can he not jump like that far? I, I would think he can. I don't know. Maybe he can't. Like, he has a, a spear that controls the wind. Like, get a big gust of wind and get up this hill. Um, but I know some of it is probably loading in the back screen. I don't know. Maybe it helps PS4 users, but on the PS5, I'm just like, uh, it just kind of brings it down to a standstill, which doesn't help the overall pacing, which I think is my biggest criticism for this compared to God of War 2018. I loved God of War 2018 start to finish. There was no hiccups, no, no fluff. It was just solid game. This, I think there was probably a little bit more areas uh, where we could trim because even golden pathing it, I was hitting at like 26 hours, which is still a pretty long game in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think some of the pacing, I I do think that they gave a lot of choice though, at least to allow you to just stay on the crit path. There wasn't really a lot of any force side content, you know, like when you first are in Spartalfheim being the first realm, you know, you get to the, uh, Bay Area after the main town and then it's legitimate Mimir's like you we can go off there and you know when we were in town one of the dwarves mentioned the whole mining rig so you can go do that whole side mm-hmm. area and that's like hours and hours of content or we could just go left and go straight to Durland's right which is our objective and I th- and I loved how clear they were about those moments because it let you choose to skip kind of the side content and keep that pacing as much as possible if you wanted it I would say my biggest uh, criticism was mostly geared towards combat because I thought the story was good overall. And that's mostly related to like the amulet, you know, that we got. And so you, we would get like the pieces of the amulet to restore and then you could slot in those passive bonuses on it. But none of the bonuses were really that meaningful. They were like, you know, Mm -hmm. here's three more cooldown, and then here's like 10 more strength. And, you know, if you put three of them, you might get like a rage bonus, you know, after you hit like an enemy 10 times without taking damage. And it just felt like it was just kind of like numbers for the sake of like adding more numbers to the combat, but doesn't like do anything meaningful. Uh, they did at least add, I know one of the passives you could get was the slowdown mechanic from the first game. 
So that was tied into one of those like amulet sets where if you do a last minute dodge, you get that like slow-mo like witch time, you know, effect where it's like the matrix effect where it's like you move at normal speed, but the enemies like slowed down and that's mm-hmm. cool. And I wish there were more effects like that because I think that would make me care about the equipment more if I was like, oh, I can get the slowdown effect. Or I can get, you know, like a big like AOE attack specifically when I have this, you know, equipment loadout or something. Like I think they're kind of playing it a little bit safe, you know, from God of War 2018. You know, that two weapons to three weapons. Yes, the third weapon's amazing, especially the build up to getting it. But then, you know, everything else around it just kind of felt the same. And so that's one of my main critiques is that they were I felt they were a little too safe, even though the spear is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm with you guys with, like, I guess I don't have a lot to criticize other than, you know, I agree with Matt that the pacing, well, I I thought the pacing was fine, but I did think it was long, if that makes sense. Because, you know, Alex brings up that we literally could have golden pathed it. And I'm not going to lie, I started golden pathing it mainly because I just wanted to know what happened and, or what happens. And I wanted to find out before I got spoiled. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like where I went, but I'm not going to lie, when I finished the game, I didn't know Atreus was going to disappear and go off on his own journey. So mm-hmm. honestly, my biggest regret is not doing more of the side quest before he left because I wanted to hear more of Atreus's banter with his father and seeing him kind of go off i was like dang am i just gonna do the rest with frey i mean like i also like i'm not gonna lie i was like am i just doing this by myself like what's going on and then it was confirmed like frey is like i'm with you you know so then i was like oh okay mm-hmm. yeah he- like i think freya though like i get that but i also think that it's kind of fun to see her perspective on a lot of the other things because okay. she'll start talking about veneer gods and like veneer things that have happened in like lore that I've never heard of. Mimir will talk through kind of what we have done and kind of just like Norse mythology and then kind of prompt Kratos to talk about other things. So like I think that there's pros and cons to each. I was trying to golden path so that I could play it before we reviewed it so <laughs> i'm kind of in your boat i think i may have done two side quests two or three squat side quests with atreus everything else is going to have to be uh with freya so i don't know i like alex do you feel like there's a big drop off i don't know how much you you did with atreus versus freya I think I did a good solid split between them. So I did like a, you know, when Atreus was still around a decent amount of the side areas. And then obviously I finished the game uh, with Freya doing everything else, especially the the remnants of Asgard. Um, I really enjoy both perspectives. You know, it, it is that good split where it's like there is some replayability to that aspect. You know, if you now that you know that Atreus will leave, you know, maybe there's more incentive because I did, you know, listening to other spoiler casts talking about the game, they did write uh, unique lines for them. So, like, if you go through with Atreus, he has obviously different things to say than when you go through with Freya. And so it's there is some replayability there. Uh, but I really enjoyed doing a lot of the areas with Freya because, you know, as you said, she just knows a lot about that world, right, about the gods and goddesses, even just the history. Um, like I mentioned in Vanaheim, uh, there's in the crater area, which I don't know if you got into yet, Matt, 
but mm-hmm. it's uh, part of a side quest you get there. So you like unless you do the side quest, you'll never see this zone. But specifically, there's a lot of backstory about Faye that's in that area that I could not imagine doing it with Atreus instead, like when I did it with Freya, because she had so much to say and like explain about, oh, yeah, I heard about this happening at this time. I heard about, you know, this, these people. And then at the same time, it's Kratos learning these things mm-hmm. and saying you know, expressing his feelings and then Freya being the other one to bounce off of at, you know, basically the similar level of maturity that made it an interesting combination, right? Because it's basically, you know, you have dad energy and mom energy and like seeing that, (laughs) like that interaction between (laughs) the two of them was super interesting, even though, you know, they're not married to each other. But I just love that feeding off of like Kratos being like, I never knew about this. And then Freya being like, well, maybe you know, you didn't learn about this for a reason and that type of stuff, you know, it wasn't from like the kid to, you know, parent relationship. So though I am interested to see what, you know, is said between Atreus and Kratos, if you do that area with those two. So I do think something's there, you know, maybe not right now, but I could definitely see a future playthrough, you know, maybe right before the next game comes out, I'll keep that in mind to be like, Hey, you gotta do this before, the critical moment. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm stuck with Freya again. Even though Freya's great, love Freya. Um, but I, I, and I, at the end of the day, I prefer Freya to Atreus as a companion, mostly because she is more, you know, experienced. Right? Like she has more to say. That isn't just like, what about this? Like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, it, it actually adds more to say she's lived in this world for you know years. I don't know how many years. I don't know if they live forever. But that reflects in her knowledge base and her interactions. It was a nice surprise. My one regret is that, or maybe it's a gripe, is that you don't get Atreus' summons. Like, he had, like, this sweet, the sweet wolves from God of War 2018. Unlock them. I was like, well, I'm never, you know equipping anything else like these are my summons because like the birds are nice but the wolves are forever you know like they're (laughs) they're the homies and as soon as atreus left, i'm like oh i wonder what freya has and she has like poison or fireflies and i'm like okay less cool gotta say (laughs) a little disappointing yeah but she's got she's got the cool valkyrie transformations she does have the cool valkyrie uh yeah, that's that, that is pretty cool. I I would say that. Um the ending I I will say I expected Kratos or Atreus to die like w- during this. I was not expecting Atreus to just like peace out at the end of the game. I I honestly liked it though. Like I was like that's good. I I think this is good. I don't know where this leads us, but like I like that they are now apart because like the whole thing like during the whole story was like you have to have, like, not be angry when I'm not here. And I have to, like, not be a stupid kid when you're not here. And it's nice that at the end, it was, like, a mutual respect finally. And it's like, nope, okay, we'll keep our promises to each other. And I thought that was really sweet. So I, I liked the ending a lot. I'm with you on that, Matt. I thought that was great. I was, a t- I was like, oh, my God, he's going to die. Like, I thought mm-hmm. Kratos was going to die. And I was, like, on edge. I was like, oh, no. But seeing him go on to the other side of the door, the the door with the lore, mm-hmm. and seeing the lore door, 
the Lordor seeing <laughs> Kratos see his side of the story and the panel where people are worshiping him. I was like, like, I was like chef's kiss. I was like, this mm-hmm. is beautiful. Cause literally Odin's dialogue at the beginning or like during the fight, like really stuck out. It's like, do you understand? Do you know how this feels? Do people worship you? Do they pray for you? Do they look to you in their darkest times? And the answer was obviously no, but seeing sometime in the future, maybe that it would, will happen. Mm-hmm. I thought was beautiful. It really moved me. Oh yeah. Tears are flowing when Kratos and Atreus were looking at each other and Kratos was like, Loki will go but Atreus will remain. Yeah. Like, just goes to show that, you know, father-son relationship of saying he'll always remember him, but he understands that he has, like, a future, right? That, you know, Mm -hmm. coming to grips with what Faye was talking about, their son being like, he has something he needs to do, and it won't involve you, or you won't be necessary to be there. And it feels like, right, the whole journey of Ragnarok was... Kratos finally understanding right through the flashbacks, through just the interaction with uh, Atreus when he leaves and then comes back, realizing, oh, yeah, you do have something. Like, something calls to you. And also when he asks him after Atreus is like, I have to go do something, and Kratos says, does it make you feel afraid or terrified? And Atreus says, yeah. Kratos realizes, then you have to do it, right? Because it is Mm -hmm. something about facing his fear and doing whatever calls to him. And on the flip side, you know, as Tiffany mentioned with the whole seeing his future being worshipped leaves such a great open-ended ending in terms of where it goes with this, right? Like, he's not necessarily bound to staying in this region. And, you know, being worshipped could be anywhere, right? And so hopefully, you know, that opens up the pantheon to say, does he go to east, you know, to Egypt? Does he go farther east to China? Does he go west to you know the british isles right and there seems to be a lot of hinting more towards that especially with how the norns were portrayed in the kelpie right during that whole uh scenario uh when they visited the norse fates and so i just thought it was a great way to bring it all together to Mm say atreus is gonna go do his thing kratos is gonna go do his thing hopefully mimir's there for along the ride because i love especially when mimir made the comments of you know when you're hanging from this perspective and all you see is ass like 24 seven, you know, I'm paraphrasing, (laughs) but he says something along those lines of like, sometimes you want a different perspective. And so I definitely am looking forward to seeing like, you know, basically they're brothers, you know, they're bros, Amir and Kratos Mm -hmm. and maybe Freya there too. I don't know. Because he started like he, they called each other brother, which is like really nice. Like Amir and Kratos, which I really enjoyed. I, I really hope I think Atreus was great. I think this is a great story with Atreus. I do not want an Atreus game unless he like has really been revolutionized and like become a lot more fun as a character. I agree. I also would love just a Kratos game where he's like by himself or or something. You know what I mean? I I enjoyed Atreus in the moment, but I'm ready for him to like go on and do something else. But also it's like do we ever get another god of war game i don't know who knows probably because it makes money and like this is their best ip but i don't know i don't know when that would be or where that would be i'm not gonna lie um i will play the next game for sure 
which is something that I didn't think I would ever say in my life. Uh, you know, before 2018 came out, the first like three or four, whatever existed God of Wars that were made back in the day on like the PlayStation 2 and stuff never crossed my path. Like not that interested at all. I'm almost intrigued to go back and play them mainly because I wanted, I want to hear more of the story and maybe see him interacting with the Greek gods, but who knows? I probably won't play them because there's so many games that brings up such a good moment too of why i enjoy being with freya actually because there's so many moments when you're doing the side content that they also bring up kratos's brother like like old brother that you know ends up dying but demos and i feel like that's only a story that comes up if you're with freya and so i feel like and the combination of freya giving you a lot of the norse lore and like what's going on there is also reflected in Freya being inquisitive and, you know, Kratos being open, you know, open to explaining, you know, about his past, talking about his brother, talking about, you know, what happened in Greece essentially. And so I think I'd actually prefer like my, you know, incidental choice of doing a lot of the side content with Freya because I got those stories, even though I was aware of them at least to some extent, but it was nice to rehear it, especially them kind of recapping it and also further explaining to say, Oh yeah, you know, my brother, was taken away, you know, when we were younger. And then by the time we had, you know, met each other again, they're all like the feelings are already too broken between us, you know, beyond other things, you know, this is being very reductive, but that as part of the story to say, adding to Kratos's ability or like learning to forgive, right. And to mend relationships to some extent. Mm-hmm. So definitely I feel like a lot of that is reflected. That kind of gives you a shortcut. So you don't have to play the old games. Cause I know a lot of people probably don't have access to them or don't want to play them because they're so different. But mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to still go into the past without being it a required, Hey, sit through a 30 minute cutscene where we got to talk about everything that happened in Greece, you know? Could you imagine being Sony Santa Monica, having like two excellent games to wrap up, like perfectly wrap up Norse mythology, and then them just like sitting in a conference room going, so anyone have ideas? Like anyone, like like where do you go next? Because like, honestly, like for both of these to be as critically acclaimed and two of my favorite games recently that I've played... I don't know where to go because I think what made this duology, I guess, so great was like the difference in like his personality as he progressed through both games. And it's like, will we feel the same way if this goes to another setting? Because like, I feel like he's more God of peace in a lot of ways now. So what will call him to action enough to like, be kratos you know what i mean i i don't know yeah i i'm not smart enough to do it like obviously like i'm not creative enough to think through it i know that they're in good hands especially if they they keep the mantle but i don't know i I have no idea where it could go from here is it mimir i think mimir is the answer right because they mentioned you know even when we meet him in the first game he says he's not from these lands originally and so obviously he's had to come from somewhere and I think Kratos is close enough with Mimir now that probably he would do stuff for him, you know, to avenge him or like maybe find a way to put the head back on a body. I could see that being a way that they again separate him, right? Because at this point, you know, literally they're attached at the hip. 
And so I think True. <laughs> finding a story reason to separate them. And so if we go even further into the future still with Kratos, Mimir doesn't have to be there, I think is a great way. So maybe something I could see that being the story thread to take him somewhere else and to give Mimir at least some sort of resolution for his story, you know, whatever that may be, right. They could make it up or maybe they've mm-hmm. already laid something and we didn't notice, right. Just like with Odin being tear. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of potential. And everyone should know that the three of us are up for wherever that's going. Do that's you, true. Any last minute thoughts or feelings about God of War Ragnarok? I know Matt mentioned the drop near spear. And I want to mention stuff related to that, too. So I think this is a good lead up to what I hope Matt is going to talk about. But I loved the lead up to getting to the forge with Brock. So when it's just Kratos and Brock going like journeying there, mostly because there is one line where Kratos has to climb, you know, the signature climbing that Matt loves mm-hmm. and Brock has to get on Kratos's back because I guess there's like no way, like even though Brock can like basically teleport, he can't like do it in this scenario. And he says to Kratos, huh, we're doing it boy style. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like the callback to right Atreus be, like riding Kratos' back in the first game. But the way, obviously, the Brock saying it just adds the dirty connotation to it. And so I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> like seeing Brock like holding on to Kratos' back as like Kratos is like climbing across the handholds. And so that was amazing. And after we get the spear. Uh, right, and we come out of the forge, you know, it's got the flowing red banner on it, right, with Kratos' blood, and, like, this is Kratos' weapon. And then, obviously, you know, when you get a new weapon, you have to start killing enemies with it. And so, Mm -hmm. like, they spawn enemies right outside where you get the weapon, you come up from the forge, and then Brock, again, makes another comment being like, wow, you're pretty good with that thing. And then Kratos retorts with, you know, the spear is, like, the first weapon a Spartan learns. And, like, yeah. the music is swelling around you as you're just, like, mincing them with the spear and, like, throwing them and exploding them. I was like, this is my favorite moment in the game. Just, like, mm-hmm. seeing this, like, culmination of, like, Brock being there, but also the music and, you know, the the grandiose nature of getting the new weapon. And it not being Mjolnir in the end, right? Like, you yeah. think that that's the third weapon we get, but it's this spear that's Kratos' own, you know? And so that was such a fantastic way to, you know, subvert expectations but also mm-hmm. make it meaningful to Kratos. And I'm definitely hopeful that, you know, even though Brock said, may the spear be put down when its job is done, I hope we keep the spear for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when I saw the, the like, rubble parts of the rock that were, like, yellow, I was like, oh, so we're going to get Mjolnir and, like, smash through these rocks. Like, I was thinking that the entire game and that it was the spear. Then I was like, man, I'm so stupid. Like, of course it needs to be a spear, like he's greek like this is him like this he's a spartan like they are gifted at the spear and of course it's going to be something that's like so natural that that's going to be what he does to protect his kid is like that's what it is and it's probably like um like when he got his blood like it it formed like the i don't even know what that's called the omega the omega um and it's like from his blood it's like the forge made the spear like and it was like kratos the spear and it's the first weapon that's really been like his you know what i mean like 
because it was like yeah, fashion. He, he was by always him. stealing the weapons from other things. Yeah, exactly. Like or taking the, them, not stealing them. I guess. Like the Leviathan axe was his wife's. You know, like it wasn't even his, but it was. It's been like the main thing. But finally, to have a weapon of his own was really, really awesome. I don't know. I loved it. I think. Um, since this is our peer review, like I would highly recommend this. If it takes you 26 hours or 30 hours to 35 hours, if you have to split it up two hour increments for a month, do it. It's really a great ride. I will say my one last thing is that I love movies. And what I love about these games is that it's the closest to a movie that I really get in video games. So if you're also a fan of movies, you should play it because the story is second to none this year. Um, and it's going to make Game of the Year conversations really, really fun. And I would agree we... with that. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Alex, you go. I'll, I'll end it. I highly recommend this. I also highly recommend please play God of War 2018 first. Even though this is like a cinematic experience, it really is a sequel to the first game. And I think adds a lot, especially to the relationship and seeing the character difference, you know, uh, between Kratos and Atreus. But also in the first 10 seconds of the game, basically, when you meet Freya and understanding why Freya is attacking those two. And so I think there's a lot to say that this game is so great, but it benefits so much more having the knowledge base of the first game. And so highly recommend this, highly recommend the first game. This is a great series of two games that you can play back to back. And it's such a great ride. You know, it's basically, let's say you're binge watching, you know, like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? Even though this is longer, these games combined is longer (laughs) than watching those extended editions. But I think you get the, the idea that saying this is a time investment, but it's well worth it. I would agree with you too. Highly recommend this game. In fact, through our discussion today, I've come to realize that I do prefer this game over God of War 2018, mainly due to the cast of characters, the colorful cast of characters, and the like really compelling and great story. I'll take a shot for every time I said compelling this episode. You know, <laughs> listen to it again. Um, but. I, I really liked it. And, you know, to be honest, I think I am going to go back and play even more. You know, I golden path it because I wanted to know what happened. But now I know what happened. And I want to go back and, like, do all the favors and explore more and finish more side quests. So that really says a lot for a game uh, to get me to do that because I don't do that with a lot of games. Um, and this is one of the ones that I will. And so, you know, with that, that was our peer review episode of God of War Ragnarok. Uh, You know, this is a series that we do on the RXP podcast. We have a lot of other peer reviews. You should go check it out and listen. Uh, If you're listening or watching through the video, please leave a comment or like and subscribe. And we'd love to kind of shout out some listeners and, you know, maybe open up some discussions if you have anything to say. Um, If you don't want to leave a YouTube comment, you can email us at rxp.podcast at gmail.com or give us a follow on Twitter at rxp underscore podcast. I know Twitter is a dumpster fire, but for right now, we're still there. We'll definitely let you know if anything changes. Um, One last thank you to Grandmaster Doug for the sweet tunes. And that is our episode. I hope you have a good, had a good time. Bye-bye.